0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Psalm chapter 92, Psalm chapter 92, verse 12, you can follow along with your app or the notes on the screen here. Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So this is the promise that the righteous would flourish, that we would be like these huge cedars that are glorious, that they, that they bear fruit in old age, even when they're three, some, of these trees. We talked about this in week one. Some of these trees are 3000 years old and they're still producing, right? Even in winter, they're still producing. And this is what the scripture tells us about us that we're called to produce through every season that we don't get stale, that we don't dry out, that we're always useful. We're always useful for God. We are always flourishing. How many of you are excited about that? And we've been talking a lot about that. And we've talked a lot in this series about being rooted deep, right? I don't know if you know this, but most trees... Have what's called a tap root, and the tap root is like the core root of the tree that digs down really deep. It kind of drills into the ground, and that's what anchors that tree. And today, I want to talk about a different kind of root—not a deep root, but a wide root. Everybody, say wide root. Wide root, that's good. And so we we talk about the one of my favorite, one of my fascinations are these trees that they have up in California, uh, in the sequoia forests, these redwoods that grow. You guys ever see pictures of that? They like cut a tr- cut a hole in it and drive a car through the tree, and the tree doesn't die. Right? And that's just crazy. And so these trees are huge. Um, in fact, the largest known living red oak tree on Earth is two hundred and seventy five foot tall. 25 foot in diameter and approximately 2,500 years old. I think we got some pictures of that. They call it, they have, there's a name for it. It's named the General Sherman. We got that? And it's kind of hard to see moving. Bring the lights down just a little bit so everybody can see that. And um, the guy over here on the left, the little guy over there, see how big that Joker is? It's huge. It's huge. It's a huge tree. It's a tree of all trees. It really is. So, um, however, we can, we can come back up. The. The roots on, this, on these trees, and not just this one, but the trees of the whole forest, all, all, the, all the, the forest trees, the roots aren't very deep, which I, I found incredibly fascinating. The, the roots actually go down only about 6 to 12 feet. Isn't that interesting? Yet they can withstand storms and strong winds, earthquakes and fires, uh, flooding, all these kind of things. These trees can survive that, yet their roots, they may be 125 foot or 225 foot tall, but their roots are only 6 to 12 feet that's crazy. It doesn't make sense. But the reason why that they're able to do that is because they have an incredibly wide root system. Everybody say wide. And so the way it works is one of these trees, listen, one of these redwood trees could never grow on its own. It's got to be linked in with a system of other redwood trees, redwood trees. Listen, the success of a redwood tree is contingent upon the other redwood trees around it. So it's not rooted so deep, it's rooted really wide. And how many know that in Jesus, we need to be rooted deep in the things that we've been talking about, but we also need to be rooted wide. Everybody say wide. And so I think we have a picture of the root system and what it looks like. So this is what it looks like, the root system under these redwoods. They're linked in with other redwoods. In fact, they'll draw nutrients from other redwoods in the forest. So when that wind comes, the roots are like a strong army that are linking arms and they're going... We got this. You feel a little weak today? It's all right, I'll hold you up. I've got you good. You might not be real deep, you might not be that strong, but listen, I've got you. The strength of these trees are in the forest. Everybody say the forest. So it got me thinking. It got me thinking about the early church. You know, when, I think, when we think about the early church, we always talk about, man, we want the power of God like the early church had. How I many you know what I'm saying? We want the doctrine like the early church had. We want, we want all those things, man. We want to be biblically sound. We want to know what it was like to walk with Jesus. We love the early church, man. We, we, we reference that all the time, right? But one of the things that we don't focus that much on the early church is their unity. We don't focus that much on their community. Everybody say community, You know what community means? Common unity. That's where we get that word community. So these guys were like this red forest of trees that were very well linked together. So whenever people came in and they were killing Christians left and right, the church still remained. In fact, the church didn't just remain and it didn't just survive. The church actually thrived in, in a very dark world, a very jacked up world. And can I tell you today, as our world grows darker and darker and the church shines brighter and brighter, community will be the thing that keeps us upright. It won't be our doctrine. It won't be our flashy light shows and our social media presence. It'll be that we are able to live in community, that we have our roots together together. And we draw nourishment from one another. See, the church started in the context of community. Because the church is community. That's what the church is. See, the, the church isn't this thing that we have on Sunday mornings. This is a worship service. The church or every one of you, all of us that are sitting in this room, we are the church. So when people complain about the church, what they're, and they are in the church, what they're doing is they're complaining about themselves. Whoops. Oh, the church, Christians, well, you are one. So on those issues, and you do something to make a difference other than complain about it. Because complaining is draining, and complaining doesn't do anything. Check this out. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. In one place. A little preacher joke for you, you ready? The the King James Version says this they were together in one accord. That's a, yeah, that's right. You know what kind of car the disciples drove? All right, a cord, yeah. Okay, terrible. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So, the day of Pentecost, if you're familiar with that, what's happened is this is when the church was born. So, Jesus died, rose again from the dead. Preached to the disciples a little bit longer, teach them a little bit more, and then he ascended into heaven. How many know there's a man in heaven, Jesus? We've talked a lot about this. And so, Jesus, the man, the God man in heaven, Jesus Christ, is there in heaven, and then he sent his Holy Spirit on the earth. He told the disciples, Wait for the Holy Spirit. So, they're waiting. They're waiting in this room. They're praying. All of a sudden, this wind falls in the room. They start speaking in tongues. There's craziness. It was a real rowdy church service they were having. Everybody would have been freaked out and, you know, trying to shut it down. And they had this crazy service. The Spirit of God falls. Peter, who before was a doubter, Peter, who, you know, we have all the stories about how he is jacked up and, you know, had all these issues and very dysfunctional. All of a sudden, Peter rises on the scene out of this room where they've been praying after the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up and preaches the gospel and thousands of people got saved. So before, whereas Peter couldn't even stand up to one person in a conversation, now he's preaching to thousands and they're getting saved. His shadow was falling on people and they're getting healed. All of this happened in Acts chapter 2. That's where it all started. Well, it all starts with a bunch of people in a room, kind of like this, praying with unity, going after God together. So after this huge event happens in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches and all these people come to Jesus. Then it says this right after that, Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everybody say devoted. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. If you got a paper Bible, underline that word, fellowship. And to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. So they ate together. Right? They went out after church and had lunch. They went to Whataburger. experience the glory. Okay? And then it says, you know, and to prayer. Come on. And so they did what we would call spiritual things, listening to teaching, praying, but they also did this thing that we kind of consider unspiritual, fellowship. The word fellowship is koinia, which means the sharing of life. They sit down at tables and they had conversations. Can I tell you, beloved, that is very spiritual. It is a spiritual practice for you to have fellowship with other believers, it's more spiritual than you realize because it's the only way that you can develop wide roots. You can Listen, you can grow the deep roots in prayer. You can grow the deep roots in, in learning and, and growing and, and, and experiencing the Lord and having encounters with the Lord. You grow deep roots that way, but the way that you grow r- wide roots is just by spending time with one another. It doesn't have to, listen, you don't even have to be, you don't even have to be talking about the Bible. Right? And it says this a deep sense of awe came over them all. Oh. I love that word, awe. They were like, oh, awesome, right? A deep sense of awe came over them. The, the, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. How many of y'all want that? Signs and wonders, all born in community. More. We want signs and wonders, all born in the context of community. All the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each morning, met at homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Can you all see that there's no selfishness here? Mm. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. So we know this, that the church was active, and it was growing, and it was flourishing, it was thriving. There were signs, miracles, and wonders. But the thing that really established all those things is they were together. They did life together. Together. They did kingdom together. There weren't individual campaigns and mission statements, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it was all about corporately coming together, being together, and being the church together. It wasn't like where do you go to church? It was like we are the church. And you need to go to church, and you need to be committed to church. That's one thing that they did. But I believe this one of the reasons why we don't see a greater outpouring in America is because we are so independent and so isolated as a nation. Our world, listen, we have more access than we've ever had to the rest of the world, but our personal worlds are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We're staying at home more. Come on. You don't even have to go out for a grocery shopping. You can pay a subscription and people will deliver your groceries every day. Thank God for Amazon. You can have Amazon stuff there tomorrow, sometimes today, because we live in the Metroplex. It is awesome. They're developing these drones so they can deliver stuff to your house faster. Everything is getting easier and easier for you to stay at home and not interact with a human, just a computer. Or, but More people are working at home than they ever have before. Our world is becoming more and more isolated, and we think we're connected because we have this thing called Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or something like that. And we think, well, I'm committed to community because I'm on there every day. How many you know that the disciples didn't have that? But they had something we don't got. They had that power. That's what I want. Listen, isolation could rob the church of power and we see this in scripture, isolation can rob the church of her power. We have a very consumer-minded emphasis that is mostly personal and not corporate, right? What is God's will for my life, right? What can I do to contribute to my happiness? I'm trying to figure out how I can make more money. We don't see this in the early church. Listen, if we want to see a corporate move of God. We listen there you go to the bookstore you'll find thousands of devotionals, personal devotionals, personal relationship with God. Praise God. You need that. You need that more than I will say this you need that. Your your daily time with Jesus, just you and Jesus is the most important core of your day. You need that every single day. You need to read your Bible, you need to pray every single day. You need to worship the Lord every single day. You need that in your life. It is it's a relationship. So you need it. You need to be well connected. But I'm telling you, beloved, that if all you are experiencing is personal relationship with God and you have no corporate relationship with God, then you are lacking and you are deficient. I don't care what your holiness looks like. I don't care what what your evangelism looks like. If you are disconnected from the body of Christ, you're doing it alone, and that's the wrong way. If we want to see a corporate move of God, then we have to learn to not just cooperate. Everybody say cooperate. That's where we get the word co- cooperate, right? Co-op. You cooperate. We can't just cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We must learn to cooperate with one another. How many of you know the Holy Spirit dwells through us, right? In us and among us. And so the the thing that really connects our roots together is the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Acts is is what happens. But listen, we think, oh, man, I'm just obeying the Holy Spirit. I'm just obeying the Holy Spirit, just obeying the Holy Spirit. And it's just me and God. I don't know where you got that, but you didn't get that from the Bible. Because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's just me and Jesus, man. That don't work. That's not a biblical faith. That is not a biblical concept. God has called us to community, to cooperate in life. And when I talk about cooperating, I'm not talking about shutting yourself down and tolerating one another. Because when do you think, cooperate? That's what we think, right? He just won't cooperate. So we'll tolerate, right? And so we just kind of get into this thing. Whereas if I'm going to cooperate with people, then I've just got to tolerate everybody and then I just got to shut it down. That's kind of our thinking, right? But listen, cooperate means that we are working together. That we are doing together, that we are co-operating, yes, with the Holy Spirit, and yes, with the Holy Spirit in my brother. Yes, the Holy Spirit in my sister. Come on. Yes, the Holy Spirit in my pastor. Yes, the Holy Spirit with my small group leader. Yes, the Holy Spirit with the person that attends church with me and we went to lunch today. Yes, Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a lot bigger than the Holy Spirit in you cooperating, doing life together, operating in life together with a mission. We're seeking together, like we will do on a Sunday or in a community group, but we're also serving together. We're also doing the work of the ministry together. Let me tell you, one of the greatest ways for you to build community and friends is show up at church early on a Sunday and go greet people in the parking lot. It's one of the greatest ways that you can develop friends because we whenever we're working together, we grow together. And so we're not just seeking God together. We're actually serving together. Plug, 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 Pastor Brooke. <laughs> Listen, this society that we're living in is because we have so many outlets of, of, of this shallow community. Let's just say that. I love social media. This, I, I think social media has a potential of being good for the world. I love it that I can reach out to people that I was in high school with and still have a connection with them. But that will never ever replace having people over at my house for dinner. It will never replace that. It will never replace going out after church, hanging out over a meal. Nothing will replace that. That cannot be replaced because, it, because it's this deep. And so our relationships are very shallow. People are going to church more and more online. I'm like, you don't get it. Church isn't something we observe, it's who we are. We've got to be together. Beloved, we are deficient. We're breaking down socially. People don't know how to communicate anymore because there's like 5,000 ways to communicate. It's like, it's all just kind of muddy. How many, how many of you get overwhelmed every day with notifications? Yeah. I do. I mean, I got to like turn on do not disturb, leave me alone. That's what that means. The do not disturb feature means leave me alone. Right? For now, and then later I'll touch base with you. listen, life does not happen behind a a computer screen or a smartphone. You need people in your life, in your life, physically in your life. If you're in the hospital and someone sends you a message, an email or a text message, it doesn't mean as much as them showing up in the room. Am I right? Why? Because you are built for community. And listen, can I say this? That authentic community in this hour, in the world that we live in, authentic community, sitting across the table, come on, tables over screens, sitting across from the table, doing life together, running together, doing this thing together, that is going to be one of the beacons of the church in this hour. One of the things where the church will shine, because the world is not offering this. And, I, and I, I talk to people all the time that are unchurched. They're like, you're right. The world doesn't offer that. I can't get that on social media. I can't get that anywhere else. I, I can only get it with, with us hanging out. So we're trying to figure out what we can do to get together and hang out. Why? Because we all have this gap in our hearts and our lives for authentic community. So if there's anything, listen, where the church is going to be strong, yes, signs, miracles, and wonders. But one of the things that we have that the world doesn't offer is authentic community, being real with one another. Come on, and it not be in a competition. Right. The beacon of, church, of the church in the digital, digital age is authentic relationships. Let me share with you a few things that, that hinder authentic community. Everybody say authentic, authentic community. We're talking about real relationships. We're not talking about yeah, you're smiling because you know you're pretending, right? We've got too many pretenders, right? We've all got great first impressions. That's the only impression we ever give because we don't ever go deeper than that, right? It's all a smiling face until you get close to somebody. It's just the way it is. Come on, we're all like that. N- nothing wrong with putting your game face on. Nothing wrong with, with trying to make a good first impression. Awesome, but you better get deeper than that. You need, it. you need people in your life that knows how jacked up you are. Some of you, your spouse, don't even know how messed up you are. Because, you're, you, because, listen, we're raised in a world that teaches us to live by the highlights. Because we are, we, what we do is every day we have a little screen that we're glued to and we're addicted to, and we see everybody's highlight reel, their perfect little selfie. We, we were at Taco Bell last night, praise the Lord, I guess. <laughs> and I saw this woman across the restaurant. She was taking, she taking got like 40 selfies, you know, just get the right one. Right, I know. Like it's funny because people, you know, I won't get into it because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We take like I, I, I've done it before. I mean, I'm taking like pictures of my coffee, like 14 pictures. I want it to be. The one. I want my coffee to look awesome because I want it to look better than that guy's coffee. So my coffee, my pancake. You know, five minutes to get the perfect picture or the selfie or whatever. I don't want that pimple to show up. Let's get the light over here and I can put a filter on it. So listen, what happened? Listen, there's people in our world right now. My kids don't know the world without the internet. So they're being raised in a world that's telling them that you don't need to sit across the table from somebody to have a relationship with them. And then there's all kinds of issues that are streaming from this, right? People taking advantage of that, especially with children. And, so there's some things that hinder community. The first one is comfort. Comfort will hinder community because we go, oh, you know, I don't know. I've been burned. You know, it's, that takes time. Comfort. Comfort's an enemy of community. Uh, relationships, if, if, there, if the R in relationship stands for something, it's risky. Relationships are risky. You w- Listen, people will hurt you. People will also heal you. The only way that you can heal the wound that a person inflicted is allow another person or to, to heal that wound. So you got hurt by people, so you shut people out, and you think that wound's going to get hitted, but healed because it's just you and Jesus. It don't work that way. God will use the Holy Spirit through another person because he wants to develop a trust in you. He wants to get those things off your life, the bitterness. We don't want people in our business. Come on. Does the Bible say that? Well, the Bible shows it. These guys are like selling their stuff to take care of one another's needs. Right. Yeah, we, we want to sit at home because it's inconvenient for me to go help my brother out, my sister out. I, I'm like that sometimes my day off. I'm like, I want to help my day off. <laughs> Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> Listen, you want real relationships and you're going you're gonna to have to get beyond your comfort. Number two, second thing is convenience. That's just not convenient. You know, I work a different, different hours than they do. And, you know, it's just not convenient. Listen, meaningful relationships take work, but they work. So meaningful relationships work, but they take work. A relationship that doesn't take any work isn't worth anything. The third thing is conflict. Mm. Uh, We just, we had this argument. There was some tension there. So, you know, I hid them from my feed and we don't call and text anymore. right. Right? Beloved, it's not if we disagree because we all will disagree. It's how we disagree. So don't allow conflict to rob you of relationships. You okay? I know this is real practical today. Comparison. Oh. Listen, it is not a competition, it's a life. Men, (laughs) it's not a competition. Women, I know her selfie looks better than yours, but she took like 4,000 photos. And like two hours on Photoshop. Listen, don't compare your moment of weakness to someone else's highlight reel. And if all you have is a screen to compare yourself by, I know we're talking a lot about that because that is where our world is right now, mostly with relationships. I I, I wouldn't say I'd gladly give it all, but I think I would be better off if I got rid of all of it. I'm just being real with me. Because I deal just like with you, I, I deal with insecurities. I deal with a comparison. Come on, I ain't gonna lie. I see Twitter posts: five thousand people saved at church today. We had, we had Easter service. I want to say it was about three years ago. We we decided, man, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, have two services. God's gonna move. It was like one of our smallest services of the year. It rained. It ended up raining for six weeks straight. And I was like, I got in the car that day, and I was like, I'm about done. I'm about done pastoring. I'm about done with this, right? Because I got on Instagram, all of a sudden I was like, 40 salvations, 400 salvations, record attendance. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, God still loved me, but that was about all I had in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of love in Josh Brown at that at that time for about 10 minutes. I got, it uh, might have been a little longer than that, but. I got a hold of it eventually, but it's not a competition. It's life. Compatibility. Oh, here we go. How many know that compatibility is a lie? Well, you know, we just don't get along. I get, I've heard people say this before. I get along with my worldly coworkers more than I do people in the church. And I'm going, maybe you need to read your Bible (laughs) because scripture says that we don't have anything in common with the world. In fact, listen, if you're going to have a common ground with the world, it better be something that you have to find. If you got a problem with the church, you got a problem. Because you are the church. And I, you know, I, I preach lots of, lots, lots of messages on this. You guys know how passionate I am about the local church. Has the church done everything right? No. But we own our issues. And I, I could tell you right now, I think the church is in a pretty good place. Because I see people getting saved. I see people coming to Jesus. I see things Be listen, the hope of the world is Jesus through the local church. We are the bride of Christ. He has to not stop looking at us that way. So if you've got a jadedness and a bitterness in, in your heart, you need to talk to Jesus about how he feels about his wife. We're not, talking, we're not talking about masking over our weaknesses, but we're talking about moving beyond them and not focusing on them. I mean, if my wife every day was like, well, I just don't feel pretty today, and you start complaining about my wife, well, she didn't look, pretty today. she had a couple of wrong, we're going to have a problem. It says in Proverbs that jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and God is very jealous for his bride. He's very passionate. Jesus died for the church. If you did not know that, read Ephesians chapter five. Husbands, love your wife. Oh, it's about husband and wives. No, it's about Jesus and the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. For who? The church. All right. Compatibility. That's a good soapbox. I need to get a little box up here so I can step on it so y'all know when I'm off the message. Or so I know. All right. Compatibility is a lie. Everybody say compatibility is a lie. Well, I just don't have anything in common with them. Are you a Christian? Do you love Jesus? Well, so do they. Maybe not as much as you do. Maybe more. Or how about this? Maybe differently. Yeah, listen, do you understand? Do you understand this? There are 8 billion people in the world. 8 billion. It's a lot of people. It's a lot. Nobody is like you. There's not one person exactly like you. No one. They might look really close to the way that you look. You, was it doppelganger or something like that? Weird word. Doppelganger. Doppler. Doppler Dave. Okay. I don't know. Doppler. Doppels. I don't know. I don't know. If doppel something. I don't know. You know I've got it. I'm okay. Listen, I don't have to be like you to like you. Compatibility. There are 8 billion people. With different DNAs, with different with different things that they're called to specifically. A billion, completely unique, that God loves them, completely unique. Will you get this? Love them. Even the things that are annoying, even those that annoy you, love them. They're different than you. Embrace that. I don't have to be like you to like you. In fact, sometimes I like people more because they're not like me. Most of us are like that because most of us don't like ourselves very well. But Christ unifies us if we are pursuing him and his agenda on the earth. See, part of the reason why you're hung up on people is because you're not hung up enough on Jesus or his purpose on the earth. Because we make it about us when we start saying, well, we're not compatible Your people get divorced because they're not compatible. Really? You think you can live with someone, raise kids with someone, and be compatible? You're not compatible with anybody. You're completely different. How devoted are you to the process of what Jesus prayed, perfect unity, even as me and the Father are one? Whatever context of relationship you're in. Marriage, friendship, relationship, church, boss, coworker. You better quit. You better start honoring your boss. If you want God to promote you because he said, he, he, regardless of how ungodly they are, God put that boss there for you to submit to and for you to honor and for you to advance the kingdom. Okay, man, we're all kinds of soap boxes today. Okay, get off this one. cornerstones of authentic relationships. How many of you want more authentic relationships, man, pastor Josh, focus cornerstones of authentic relationships. Number one, how many of y'all want authentic relationships? If you want authentic relationships, number one, you've got to have honesty. Oh, sincere, truthful communication. So when someone asks you, you're honest. It doesn't mean you're mean. I'm so blunt. I thrive off stepping on other people's toes. Well, you might have some issues. And I'll be honest about those. Honest means free of deceit and truthfulness, sincere. That word sincere, the old word for sincere means without wax. other words, just the way it is, honest. And if you want to have relationships, if you want honest relationships, you've got to bring on honesty. One of the great destroyers of relationship is deception. I mean, it's one thing to do something against me. It's another thing to do something against me and then lie about it. Because we can deal with the issue against me. What's hard to deal with is deception. Because deception is hidden. But if you bring it to light, we can work on it. And we can have a healthy relationship. Does this make sense? This is This helping you. Uh, the, the word hypocrite, we, use, we like to use that word. Jesus used this word a lot. So we, let's use it. The word hypocrite, an old Greek word, actually was for people that were in plays, like the playhouse. And so what they would have is they would have different masks for different expressions. And so they would have like a happy one. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like this like plaster built mask, it's happy. And they have a sad one. And then they have like, just kind of like a chill one. And so they have all these masks. And so what a hypocrite was is a person that would jump up on the stage and put on this mask and they would pretend to be happy or they pretend to be sad or they pretend to just be whatever about it. And this is what we talk about when we're talking about hypocrisy. We're saying that people are pretending to be something that they're not. Listen, you have weakness. I have weakness. We all have a weakness. This is the thing. We try to hide our weakness with the mask that we wear. But can I tell you today, when you're in in authentic relationships with people, your mask doesn't do any good. We're so busy hiding what everybody else already knows. I I can't tell you how many conversations. Well, you know, I just really struggle with pride. I'm like, I didn't know that. (laughs) I would have been dishonest to say that. Most of our issues, everybody already knows about. So stop hiding. Be honest. And that really goes with this next one, this next piece of the puzzle here. Trust. Everybody say trust. And trust is vulnerable confidence. And this is where most of us struggle in relationships. Listen, if you live guarded, not only will you never be healed, you'll never be the gift to the world that you were designed to be. And so what we do is we live guarded. Well, I don't trust people because I was hurt. And listen, I'm not minimizing your pain. But you're going to have to get healed. And the only way you're going to get healed is for you to open up. It's the only way. Because you're you're concealed like this. Nothing nothing that is concealed gets healed. Your secrets keep you sick. I'll say that again. Nothing that is concealed gets healed. Now, now, let me bring this down. There is foolishness in revealing everything to everybody. That's foolish. Um, there's a, an old story uh, about this little boy that lived in a village. You guys have probably heard this before. And he thought he would play a trick on everybody in the village and run outside the village and then run back in and go, woof, woof, there's a wolf. And everybody freaks out and they hide. Or they come out and run, and they help the boy. That's what happens. He's out there. He yells, wolf, wolf, and everybody comes out and helps. He's like, I'm just kidding. There wasn't a wolf here. (laughs) I got you. So he did it about three or four times. Well, the last time, he's out there, hey, wolf. And everybody's like, "Nah." he's just jacking with us, and there's an actual wolf there, and the wolf eats him. So what we do many times is we do this with our issues. We go, oh, I'm just so this and so that, and we do it for attention. And then what happens is eventually we turn people off because there really wasn't that big of an issue. So whenever you need the help, Right, and you just post on Facebook about the same issue all the time, and you've made everybody numb to your issues. Listen, if you need encouragement, if you need help, then reach out to somebody personal and say, "Listen, can we go out for coffee?" Because the whole world's not going to run to your issue, so stop being revealing everything to everybody. Don't be a wolf crier. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eleven says this: A fool speaks his whole mind. A fool speaks his whole mind. So you've kind of got two sides, right? you got people that are, i just tell anybody everything. Well, you should be open and honest. I'm, I'm trying to draw a balance here. You should be open and honest about your issues, but not to everybody, but there needs to be somebody. You know, there's, a, there's a, a thing, a slogan that people say that have been jaded. I know that they're jaded because of what it says. It says, trust nobody. Y'all heard that? Can I tell you today, if you want to be successful in life, trust somebody. If you want to be successful in God, trust somebody. You don't have to trust everybody, but you better trust the people that God's put in your life. And what we do is we go, well, if I just wish that, you know, uh, I wish there were just more people. And I wish this, I had a, a counselor share this with me one time. He said this, he said, listen, sometimes you've got to eat the bread that God provides. And man, it hit me. He's like, sometimes Josh, cause I was really dealing with discouragement. He says, sometimes Josh, you got to take whatever encouragement there it is. And sometimes it's manna, and you're sick of eating manna. But guess what? If you don't eat that manna, you'll die. And so some of you, you just need to see, it, it might not be ideal. It might not be your favorite right now. However, I, I suggest that if you invest yourself, you might see it's more ideal than you think. If you'll eat the bread that's provided, then you'll be nourished, and you won't be deficient. Y'all Okay. Okay. So trust somebody with your hurts, with your doubts, with your weakness. And there's levels of transparency, right? There are things that I won't tell you on this stage. There'll be some things that i only have a conversation with Neil about. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, there are only things that he can heal. There's only things that he can minister to me about. James 5, 16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. Don't just pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another and get healed, dude. I've got bitterness in my heart, man. Would you pray for me? I don't know why I can't get over this. Would you pray for me? You want to get healed? Reveal, trust, vulnerable confidence. So we got number one: honesty, sincere, truthful communication. Kind of goes with the trust of vulnerable confidence. Number three: respect. Oh, respect. Recognizing and embracing differences. You're different. Oh, yeah, so am I. You're different. I embrace that. That's awesome. I don't think that way, right? Well, if everybody is just like me, we'd get along. The world would be so bad. It would be so vanilla if it was just you and people like you. Gosh. All right. And what we, what we say about respect is this. You have to earn my respect. Well, first of all, I'll say this. What makes your respect so expensive? If, if you have a hard time with respect, then just exchange that word for honor, because Scripture tells you to honor everybody. We respect and honor people because of their value, not because of their behavior. Difference, and when we talk about differences, I'm not talking necessarily about ungodly thinking. You you can respect a person without respecting a view, right? Come on, or activity. You can respect a person and honor a person who's jacked up. You can still honor and respect them. We don't respect wrong views or mindsets. However, we respect and value people, all people. First Corinthians 12, I need to hurry up. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Interesting. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I don't need you. How would it even talk? It doesn't have a mouth. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I don't think about my liver much. Glad I have one. Took care of it most of my life. It does a pretty good job, I guess, of filtering things or whatever it is that my liver does. I'm glad it's there. I respect my liver. <laughs> All right. Grace. Treating weakness with tenderness. Hmm. Are you extending grace? Ephesians four, two. Always how oh. often? Always. Always be humble and gentle. But you don't understand. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Well, they're so wrong and they're mean and they're ugly and they're vicious and they're, be patient with each other and make allowance for one another's faults. Give them some grace, cut them some slack. When you're holding someone accountable, be tender about it. You know, you shouldn't have done that. Stop being mean because somebody is weak. Show some love. i tell you, that meanness. I know, I've been mean too before. So that person's got a weakness of being mean. That person's got a weakness of being mean. What are you doing to deal with their meanness? Because that's their weakness. So it's easy to say just because it's something that's offensive to not be tender with it. Can I tell you that most people don't want to be offensive? Most people aren't trying to be mean. They just are. Maybe they've got some jacked up wounds in their heart that only you can heal, but because you're sitting there victimizing yourself to their meanness, you can't help them. Give them some grace. Grace will provide the way. Love will win them all. Love will win them all. Love will win them all. Love will win all the battles. Love will win all the battles. Will you love? Will you be graceful? Well, they need to know what's wrong. Or have you sat across the table and had a tender conversation with them? Have you treated them the way Jesus treated you when you sinned? Right, Are you willing to lay down your opinions and your agendas and your ambitions for the sake of love? Number five, commitment, love. You know why I put commitment and love together? Because it's the same thing. I'm this little, I'm not, when I talk about love, I'm not talking about fairies and feathers and rainbows and Pandas or whatever. Unicorns, that's right. Pandas riding unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. All right. Write that one down, babe. Write that one down. That's what he said. Acts chapter two, verse 42. All the believers, we am going to read this again, were devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to teaching, to, to fellowship, to sharing meals together. They weren't just devoted to Jesus. They were devoted to one another. Be, how, how do we do that? How do we be devoted to one another? One first part is this. Be invested. Be invested. Be present in conversations. Put your phone down, Josh Brown. Right? I'm just like you, man. I'm like, oh, 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 oh you people checked into church today. Right? Put your phone down. Be invested. Be present. Contribute. Well, I just wasn't getting anything out of the relationship. Well, how much were you given? Oh, yeah, it's not about you. How do you know that reaping and sowing also works in relationships? The relationship that you will benefit the most from are the ones that you are invested in. So get out of your comfort zone and make some friends. Get out of your comfort zone and ask someone to go to lunch with you today after church. Just ask someone, well, I don't have any money. Well, just tell them, hey, I can't afford to buy today. But would you like to go to lunch? I don't have very much money, so we're going to go eat the dollar menu at Wendy's. Cool, Let's go. And they might be like, that's all right. We're going to, um, not Chick-fil-A, we're going to you know, Chipotle today for lunch. And I'll buy, so you might get that. Get uncomfortable, reaping and sowing. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those that rejoice, weep that those... That reap. What does that mean? That means that you're invested emotionally. It means that you're so invested in those relationships. When they hurt, you hurt. You realize that you, they're the body. That means whenever they get something that you wanted but they got it, you're like, yes, I'm so glad you got it. Even though I've been wanting it the whole time, I'm so excited for you. But you're genuine in it because love drives you. Y'all okay today? Second part. Make sacrifices. It's not comfortable. You'll never be happy, pursuing happiness you will never be happy pursuing happiness you will only be happy by contributing to the happiness of others and the third part of that is this stick it out that's what commitment looks like you stick it out if you bail when it's difficult or tense then commitment means nothing it wasn't a commitment it was a convenience if you bail when it's difficult or tense, then commitment means nothing. And it's simply a convenience, not a commitment. You guys remember Proverbs 27, 17? You're like, oh, no, you're going to tell me? Yes, I'm going to tell you. It says this iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know how you sharpen iron? With tension. It's our tensions that make us better. It's our frustrations with one another that makes us better. And what we do is we go, oh, it's uncomfortable, unfriend, unfollow, peace, I'm out. Maybe you were there to help that person. Maybe they were there to help you. If my relationships don't benefit me the way I think they need to, then I will cut them up. Grow up. Grow up. It's not about you. Welcome to adulthood. See, we were created for community. I'm closing. We were created community. We were created to do life together. We were created for it. Remember when man was in the garden and God created all these things. He said, I'll create the animals. It's good. I create the stars and the skies. It's good. Everything's good. It's all good. Then he created man. And you know the first thing that God said wasn't good? That man was alone. It says that God saw that man was alone and it wasn't good. It was all good until man was alone. God didn't create you to do life alone. Listen, community increase, increases our capacity. Community increases your capacity. We talked about this scripture one more time. I'm closing on this. Listen, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may, may have power together. And we leave this part all, out a lot with all the saints. The only way that there's, there's certain things about God's love that you'll never understand until you're in community with others. It takes together with all the saints to understand how big God's love is. And if you want to experience the love of God at a greater level, you've got to get in relationship.